Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful Force controlling everything. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. That's not wrong. I suggest we use it. It's a space station. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. Watch anger in him. Like his father. I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. If you only knew the power of the dark side. You will be. You will be. Now witness the fire power this fully armed and operational battle station. Now, young 
Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tantalk1340.com. You can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to uh, check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can listen to all 505 shows. And don't forget 555. Yeah, 555. By the way, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fans, race car fans, uh, a special day today. A happy birthday goes out to my son. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there we go. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. 23 Thank you. years old and an official graduate of the University of Central Florida as of oh, yeah. the that second. All, that all happened, yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Same five the, days. Yeah. And one more thing, but that's a secret. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. technically, it's a yeah. trifecta. But yes. anyway. Yes. So. yes. So, Thank uh, you. Thank you all. Yeah. What do you think about that, Bob? Tom? Oh, that's wonderful. That's what <laughs> he's caught off guard. Yeah. No, well, yeah, okay. Fine. What do you want me to say? You know. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Wow. So twenty-three. That's a that's a cool. Uh, well, twenty-three is important to me because that's my birthday. It's October twenty-third. Ah, that's a lot of good numbers. So this twenty-three week. is a good number. So that's uh, the the three B today. So five oh five on five oh five, and twenty-three, and you're yep. twenty, and yeah, and yours yep. is on the twenty-third. Wow. Yep. And I'm a uh, big whopping that. sixty-three. Wow, 40 years ago you were born. Actually, we were joking about that uh, yesterday. We were saying that uh, 40 years ago you were still in a tiny little womb. <laughs> yeah. A little womb. That's what it was. All right. Well, anyway. So we that was great... on May the 4th, Be With You. That's, That's on May what... the 4th, Be With You. That's why we played the Star Wars thing mm-hmm. this evening, you know, because there's a kind of little play on that. And that... Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, any more Star Wars side effect. You know what? That movie came yes. out when? It was the summer of... <laughs> 77. And I've, I remember it very vividly because uh, the same night that they had... I don't remember if it was grand, the, the grand opening or what it was, but I know that the movie theaters were pretty much packed because the same theater, the, the other big movie that day was, uh, or that evening, or right about that time, was uh, Smoking and the Bandit. So it was kind of like a toss of the coin. My buddy wanted to go see Star Wars, and I go, nah, nah, because I was spoiled. I was a, even though I was in sci-fi movies, I loved all that stuff, particularly the early Jules Verne stuff. And but I was a Star Trek guy because I grew up in the '60s, and Star Trek came out in '66, and uh, so it was hard to accept anything else other than you know 
Captain Kirk, Spock, Bones, you know, Scotty and all those guys beam me up, Scotty. There's no signs of intelligent life down here. I still maintain that one. But at any rate, um, so when Star Wars came out, I just thought, nah, you know, Star Wars, you know, but I'm still a Star Trek thing. So but anyway, so I went and saw Smoking the Bent. So I enjoyed that movie a lot. <laughs> so he went to uh, see uh, Star Wars, and I went and saw Smoking Abandon, being a car guy, you know. And he, no no self-respecting guy would not go see Smoking Abandon, which turned out to be a pretty cool movie. In fact, you know, even though Burt Reynolds was a pretty good actor, and that movie was kind of comical in a way, so was, um, you know, uh, Cannonball Run and some of those other ones. But that movie just it's, it became a cult movie. And uh, and the car, the 77 Trans Am, you know, it, it itself. We did a special on that car not too long ago because we had, uh, a couple years ago, we had Scott Sheeran from uh, um, PHS and Pontiac, Poncho Magazine, I think it is, Poncho, Poncho something or other. And, uh, and then uh, last month we had uh, Rick Dieteron and uh, Dave Martino, who actually owns the original the let's just call it the prototype 77 trans Am that became the smoking and abandoned car which was actually started life out as a 60 76 prototype special edition le so limited edition special edition 77 trans Am. trans Ams is you know it's funny because i like uh, i'm a ford guy but uh and i didn't really start my, my neighbor had a 70 trans Am factory four speed 400 white car with uh, the blue stripe. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to walk down there, ride down on my bicycle, and he'd be working on that 77, uh, 70 Trans Am. He'd be underneath that wrenching at all the time. He was in a couple years ahead of me in high school, and I remember he had that car. It was pretty bad. And then uh, my mom and dad had a motel in Clearwater Beach, and I remember, and everybody used to go to Clearwater Beach and kind of hang out in the parking lot. You had the Ford guys over here, the Chevy guys here, you know, the uh, Mopar guys over there, and that's just kind of the way it was back in those days. So they kind of hung out in groups. And then, of course, we would you know, start uh, going Ford versus Chevy, Chevy versus Mopar, Mopar versus Oldsmobile, Oldsmobile versus Buick, and so on and so on and so on. And then people would ultimately leave there, Clearwater Beach, pull out of the parking lot, just kind of like chirp the tires a little bit, stage a little bit, you know, light them up if you could get away with it if Johnny Law wasn't hanging out. And then you go up to the Pantry Pride parking lot, which was on Gulf the Bay. And at the time, there was a steak and shake there on the corner of Saturn. And uh, for all those you've been, all the all the you guys have been around here for a long time. Were you here back in the seventies, Tommy? You remember that st- uh, steak and shake? And right across the street was Pantry Pride and parking lot. That's where we all hung out and set up street races. Then we went out to Courtney Campbell Causeway, and that's where we street race. At least the Clearwater crowd did. St. Pete crowd kind of went out towards um, Almerton there, and then uh, I think Gandy was kind of like their hangout. And then way back in the day, that used to be. Brian Dairy before Brian Dairy even went through, and then before that, a lot of guys used to go down and drag race or street race down in uh, Terra Verde. Street racing was fun, and uh, I think I went off tangent there a little bit. But anyway, so my friend had a Pontiac Trans Am. I thought that was pretty cool, and I remember his name was Bob and Bob. Well, Bob, if you're listening, hey there, guy. And uh, he uh, took me for a ride in that car one time, and uh, went through all four gears in front of the motel. And I was so impressed. I mean, he lit that thing up, first gear. He had a gear. He had like a set of, uh, I don't know, 411s in it. And went through first gear, second gear, third gear, and fourth gear, smoking the tires, and the car hardly moved. It just sat there and lit it up. And I thought, wow, I can't wait till I could do that. Ultimately, I did. I had my Mighty Ranchero, which we still have, and uh, it had a set of 514 gears in it, and a 12 and a half to one Boss 351. And yeah, it would uh, go through all four gears and move maybe 30 feet, and that was about it. And because uh, it never hooked up. But boy, we had a lot of fun street racing that car back in the day. And then ultimately, I got uh, the movie Mac Q came out in 73, and they had a Brewster Green 73 Trans Am, which was kind of cool because in 73, Trans Am came in three colors. In 70, it was in 71, 72, they either came in white or lucerne blue with white stripes, and or white with lucerne blue stripes. And 73 was the first year they, they offered not one, 
not two, but three colors. So you could get a red, white, or Brewster Green. Brewster Green was the least desirable and the least the lowest production. Today it's the most desirable and still the lowest production. So and of course if you had a super duty, you really had something. So and then when the movie came out, you know, I mean in 75, 76, you know, the smog motors, low compression. 76 was the last year for 455. 79 was the last year for a 400. Um, the 70, 71, 72, 73 cars were alike. 74, kind of a one year only deal. Last year for the small back windows. 75 is kind of cool. 76 and 5 kind of look alike. 77, 78 look alike. 79, 80, and 81. But 79 was actually the last of the performance car. But the Pontiac Trans Am had a reputation. It was a pretty cool car, and everybody thought those things were really, really neat. And that was the car to own. Oh, in fact, there's a lot of songs that, you know, like they talk about, you know, my 6.6, which was the 400 motor in the Pontiac. And pretty cool. But anyway, so, again, I went off tangent. No, but, we're, we're, I think we're supposed to talk about cars but I think I, th- I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> he approves. See, he approves. <laughs> he approves. And... Uh, so, now, do you have a Wookiee on there? Is that just, that is the Wookiee, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. So the Wookiee approves. No, no, we're supposed to, we're trying to tell the listeners he's in the station studio oh, he's with in the us. Sta- he's that, in that's the not a computer yeah, doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, all right, so as of Monday, what's the deal, Bobby? So people can actually get out and kind no, of that do was this. That was this Monday, 25% capacity at restaurants. Um, just uh, phase one, you you can go online, read it all up. Um, not well, sure about car shows yet. Haven't read about that, but you know. But uh, well, I know that a good old cruising is uh, nothing wrong with a cruising, um, or cru- cruising, cruising. <laughs> well, now the other night we were up in Crystal River, and what was a Saturday night, and everybody was hanging out at Wendy's. Yeah. So there was a ton of cars there. So yeah, they were like they were scattered around. They were scattered around. There was around. A couple, there was uh, social. So that, that was that distancing. was that was cool. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that's um yeah. So the social distancing will probably continue throughout the month. But um, so that's well, actually nice if you think about it because if you park cars a spot away, you can see. Yeah, you know, it's not. It you see the cars crowded. and nobody gets any door dings. Yeah. You, know, so, you don't have to. Yeah. 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 So that's that's actually not bad. So, but I mean, the social distancing thing, you know, all right, you know, I mean, really, you're not supposed to really walk on top of somebody and start breathing all over them anyway. And uh, so I don't have a problem with it. And that's kind of nice. You go in the store and it's kind of like you do your thing and you get what yeah, you got to get, yeah. whether you go to Publix, whether you go to Winn-Dixie, whether you go to Aldi, mm-hmm. whether you go to AutoZone, whether you go to, uh, you know, Advanced, Advanced uh, yeah, or Home Depot or Lowe's yeah. or any place like that, you know, so. All right, maybe. hang on. I, I sent them all. I'm going fire off all the bills here. Oh, okay, Put the okay, invoices okay. out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, gas stations, I yep. mean, well, the one thing about gas stations, you walk in there, and, I mean, they got the little blue marks on the thing, and everybody's yep. kind of hanging out there, but it's no big deal. The racetrack is very clean. They're, yep. they're doing a good job. They actually have hot water. I don't know about the hot other stores. Hot water, uh, best wa- soap on the block, I mean. And, and good towels. I like yes. the towels they got in there. And not to mention they have good coffee, and they have uh, occasionally not, they have not you need it for your classic car. <laughs> well, some of, some of them do, yeah. Wawa's, I think, has it everywhere, right? No, they they more coast a little closer yeah, to the lot, coast, but okay. still not if you're not in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, the big right. deal is next week we have our 10 year anniversary. Now we have a special alumni guest coming on that's special to us. This mm-hmm. is a gentleman that's been very instrumental in helping us uh, throughout the years. Um, he puts on one of the number one events in the country, and just a super nice guy, super car guy, amazing 
uh, background. Um, so, but we'll keep that as a, a surprise. We got yes. a special guest coming on for you this evening, an alumni guest, and in a couple of weeks we'll probably have another alumni guest on. It's also well known. So, we're going to keep it rolling. We're still here. Yep. We're not giving up. Um, yep. Another new chapter, new decade of yep. radio. We're <laughs> steady Eddie. Yeah. You know, we just uh, try to keep our little show going here. We try to make it informative. We try to, uh, you know, invite some people back. We had a really good show last week with Stacy David, mm-hmm. and uh, it started out I was going to do some car stuff, but then. I don't know. You know, sometimes I'm I'm not I'm not a very good musician, but I am kind of into music and stuff. And obviously, you are not a musician necessarily. Well, you tinker, but you're more into the show and the and the mm-hmm. and the and the, and the theater yeah, and the giving perform- musicians what they need. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> the production side of things. Yeah. So you know, we can both kind of relate to that a little bit. But we had Stacey David on, and like I said, we we're going to talk about cars, but then somehow we got off tangent. We started talking about music and guitars and instruments and and arranging and songwriting, and that was a very good show. We got mm-hmm. a number yes, of comments yes. on that. So uh, we got some other musicians lined up here um, throughout the rest of the year. So and probably the yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. Oh, I was just gonna say the probably what we'll do in the beginning half of the show is recap our quickly our little yeah. decade and all the cool things that have happened, uh, a little highlight, and then uh, go on to our very very special guests. And you know, mm-hmm. definitely check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, all week long because we're gonna maybe drop a few hints and uh, maybe have some giveaways. You know, cool stuff like that. Oh, um, we got a guest calling in. Oh, all right, no. real quick, real quick, and then we'll cut him off. It's <laughs> <laughs> not gonna happen because I used to hang out on Gulf of the Bay too when we all had some cool rides. I still have my old '57 with the Tri Power from back in the day. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of doing some frame stuff to it. So I bought that POR-15. You ever work with that stuff, Robert? Yeah, POR-15. Yeah, it's just supposed the to... The problem it's, is... It's, but, anyway. No, no, no. The problem is, is if you put it on your car, it'll disappear. What's going to disappear? The car. POR-15. It puts out rust. Kills rust. POR-15? Yeah, doesn't it? Par- no, it prevents... You gotta... There's all... You gotta press it. <laughs> you gotta, get out of here. Anyway, we're gonna make this quick because I got a show to do. Oh, you got a show to do. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. I'm all cameled up. You know me. I work in the medical field. So I got hats, gloves, masks, everything. I'm underneath the car and sure, sure as crap, I got stuff on my hand. Now, I use anything from mineral spirits. Then I decided to use some 93 ethanol-free <clears throat> fuel. And then I went to Sheila Shine, which worked for a little bit. But man, I can't get some of this stuff off my hands. I mean, it's all right. I'm spot a little bit on spotting a little bit today, but you got any suggestions? Uh, Burn it off. No, I mean the thing. I'll tell you what. I'm trying to think of what I used to use, but I mean, other than you know, mineral spirits, gasoline. Usually, yeah. is it oil or, or what? Do you got what exactly is it? It's a, it, what it is. It's a brush-on undercoat. Really good stuff. I'm not a salesman. Oh, that's, so you got the poor fifteen on. Okay, well that's kind of like yeah. you know if you get stuck with super glue, it's a pain in the butt to get that that's stuff off. Nothing. I could just peel my skin off. Who cares about that? <laughs> be a tough guy. <laughs> this is as long as not my guitar fingers. Well, I'll but tell you what. Stuff got on my, you know, got on my hands and my arms. Lacquer, and, you know, I got lacquer a thinner. Hand on my arms. So I'm like, no, lacquer thinner just laughs at it. So, really? Yeah, I'm wow. trying to scrub the stuff off, and you know, it's it. It's it's good stuff. Who's ever making it? But uh, it's just you got to watch out when you're putting this stuff on. I still got to do the ha- rest of the car, and I'm I'm just gonna go, you know, triple condoms next time, just because <laughs> I got stuff all over me. I mean, <laughs> whatever. But um, yeah, talking about hanging around Clearwater Beach with the guys, you know, that was cool. Myron had a Myron had a nice badass. He had a '67 RS SS Camaro convertible. Uh, Helped put a clutch in, in his driveway once. Uh, nice car. It was neat. And then, you know, our buddy, uh, 
our friend Al has a couple of cool cars. Al had a really beautiful green Cheerbird once. I think it was a 70. Oh, Mint. Green yeah. interior, sunroof. Yeah. yeah, it was like classy city. Who had the green 68 Mustang GT Fastback? Because I ended up with that car. But I can't uh, remember the kid's that, name. That I'm not sure who had that. Remember, Chris King had that 69 RS SS pace car Camaro convertible. Ooh. Chris yeah. had some neat stuff. Yeah, he he really had some neat stuff. He And everything he had pulled the wheels. Every, every car, even though he was heavy and he was overweight, he passed away a few years ago. A wonderful guy. But everything he had pulled the wheels. He wheeling with everything that he had. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. And then um, and then Myron had a nice uh, 73 Mary Tyler Moore convertible Mustang. Remember some of her oh, episodes? Yeah, you see her washing the car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's Myron's car. So I think Myron got it from Mary Tyler Moore. You got to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Grant. All right, so that's so much of my impressions of that. Okay. So you guys are hanging in there being safe? Yeah, we're always being safe. Yeah, Bobby, you doing good? Yes, I am. All right, good enough, man. So who you got on tonight? Uh, it's a secret. Stay tuned. All right, let so you know. by the way, right now, if you want to turn into, um, I think it's Movies TV, is Le Mans with Steve McQueen is on right now. Is it really? He just wrecked. Remember he, when he went, he, got, he wrecked. He, there was a Porsche <clears throat> in his way, and he tried to scoot around it, and he clipped it, and then hit the guardrail and wrecked the car. But he was all right. And then I don't they, want to ruin the movie. But, no, you know. well, yeah, we won't say what happened. Anymore. Well, they stuck him in another car, and he won anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that he raced at Sebring in 1970. Yeah, he was here. Yeah, him and, and actually James Garner. Uh, Garner was, I'm not sure if Garner was in that race, but I think he, he might have been in that race. But in 1970, he was driving an old, wore-out 908 Porsche. And cool. there, for a short period of time, he was in the lead. Mario Andretti crashed. They pulled Mario Andretti out of the other Ferrari that he crashed, put him in the other Ferrari. But in the Ferrari, just had everybody mile an hour. And at the very end... Uh, I think it was like three laps away from the end, they passed him, passed Steve McQueen. Otherwise, Steve McQueen would have won Sebring 12-hour race in 1970, and he was driving with a broken foot in a wow, cast. Wow, no oh, yeah. kidding. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, back in the day when clutches were real, none of this paddle-shifting crap. Oh, God. Don't get me going on that. All right, Charlie, I'm going to let you talk about I'm going to let you go. Uh, you guys be safe. Good talking to you. Stay uh, well. Take care. All right, take care, Joe. Or right, Charlie. Joe. Bored. Bob. <laughs> Anyway, one of our regular listeners, Charlie, calling in to uh, put his two cents in. But that's okay. You can do that on the show every once in a while. We let a few people do that. Now, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a break here and wash our hands. hands. Yeah. (laughs) We have our scrubby button. We still haven't got them as a sponsor. But anyway, so let's go ahead and fire up the stereo. Um, Go ahead and skip right down to the next. What do you got? Oh. Well, yes. all right. go ahead and play that. Let's just go ahead and get our guests on the show because we're uh, right down to the wire again as usual because, you know, once in a while we get sidetracked on here. So call our guests and, uh, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Here's a little Ringo Starr. Don't come easy. He really doesn't. But anyway, you work hard. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. We'll touch that doll. We'll be right back.
enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Tune into Nostalgia Green Room Cars. I think we have our guest on the line, do we? Yes, we do. Okay, well, it's, well, it's time to uh, welcome our special guest back. This uh, gentleman's been on our show before. Uh, he's a Texan, and um, he's the former host of uh, and uh, show dude and car dude from the Car Chasers, which was on TV a number of years ago. And currently, he's involved with uh, Skid Marks. So I'm delighted to welcome back to our show Jeff Allen. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? Good man, thanks for having me on again. Well, so give us fill us in. I mean, last time I saw you, which is uh, probably SEMA, right? Yeah, I, I would think it would have been SEMA around November when we all kind of gather at this little place in Las Vegas, and uh, the whole wor- the whole car world kind of just shows up and makes a rock star party of it. Yeah, it probably was the last time I saw you. Well, so you know what? Since then, I- Let's see. I've been in quarantine quite a while. Uh, <laughs> quarantine. I, I, I moved to uh, Albuquerque. Bought a new uh, two buildings in Albuquerque. New locations. Really? And, um, yeah. I decided. I thought. You know. I thought. What better time to, to to sell your property and buy another property and move? You know, when there's a whole pandemic going on. So, uh, unbeknownst to me, when I did decide to do this, which was. Uh, like September, I think it was September, October last year. I had no idea this was going to happen. So basically I moved all my vehicles, the shop, everything to our Albuquerque location during all this. So I tried to do it as fast and furious as I could, get everything here so it wasn't contaminated. And then I just kind of locked ourselves down. But lucky for me, I feel good about it because I'm like, I'm in a 20,000 square foot building that I'm quarantined in. And that's a lot better than being at a house. I think I'd go stir crazy at a house. So, well, now weren't you? But you had you had a shop in. weren't you in Lubbock, Texas? I was in Lubbock when we did the show. Right. And then, uh, as soon as we finished our third season of the show, I moved um, the shop to Dallas, Texas, which okay. was always a part of the plan. It just it, it the the network kept saying, "No, don't move. Just stay where you are." And I'm like, "Okay, but I want to move. I want to get out of town." So. Literally in between seasons, we didn't know if we were coming back or not. I'm like, we're just, we got to do it. So we moved from Lubbock to Dallas, where we were there for four years. And uh, I don't know, I just, I I, I guess I get uh, that itch and I got to move. So it seems like every four years or so, I end up buying another building and moving everything. So, well, now how big a building? How how big a building did you have in Dallas? 12,000 square foot. 
Okay. How many cars do you normally how many cars do you normally keep in inventory? I keep anywhere from on a low side, which would be right about forty two currently, Ooh. Ooh. and normally on a high side I'm at sixty seventy. It our 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 whole business model you know, model has changed a lot over the years where I'm still buying cars. I mean, I'm addicted to it. In fact, this whole quarantine thing has been driving me crazy. I, I keep telling Meg I'm going through car buying withdrawals. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, literally two weeks ago, I had a guy deliver a car to the shop just because I told him, my wife won't let me go out and buy it, but if you come here and wear masks and gloves, I can probably buy it. So he literally drove it from El Paso to Albuquerque, and, and uh, I bought the car on his trailer and had him you know, unloaded into the building. And I felt kind of good about it for a day or two. And then, you know, the, then you start going through withdrawals again. And you're like, man, what's, I need to buy some cars. But it's just difficult right now with the current situation. But, uh, you know, our, mod, our, our whole model changed because we got really back into doing a lot of uh, television and, and movie car rentals again. So oh, that really? became a big part of the business. Yeah, we, we used to do it years ago when I lived in California. And uh, at that time, I had probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, 30 cars that were in a, uh, that I put into a movie car rental fleet. And then I kind of got tired of it after a while, got out of my direct business. It was uh, somebody else that was doing it, and, and they just, they were looking for me for extra inventory. So I did that for a while. But then since I'd been in Dallas, uh, you know, a lot of filming's been going on in Albuquerque, and Albuquerque's becoming the new hub for Hollywood in many ways because of the tax credit. So I was getting a lot of calls, and we were doing a lot of cars last year, four shows in Albuquerque. Like, we did 22 for the show on CM, or, uh, CBS called uh, Interrogation, which was uh, basically circled around 1983, so they all had to be period correct for that show. And uh, we did uh, we did a few cars. I think we did seven cars for the Breaking Bad movie El Camino. Oh, um, so we were starting to get more of that business coming along, and uh, then it just kind of made sense to move to Albuquerque, where all of it was happening, and uh, just just uh, come in here and bring a lot of cars there. At least that was the, a good plan <laughs> until you got here and everything shut down. <laughs> well, you know, but, hey. It's interesting you mentioned that because a couple of years ago, a friend of mine by the name of Jimmy moved. Uh, there's a town, I'm not sure what it is, it's about 30 miles south of Albuquerque. Um, and I can't think of the name of it right now off the top of my head. I don't, Los, Los Lunas? Uh, no, I think it's, huh. I'm not sure. Um, but at any rate, but when, and I, I drove him out there with, uh, we rented a U-Haul, and then I had to f go back to Albuquerque and flew out of there. But while I was at the rental car place, the guy was telling me that uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there, and I'm not sure if it's Amazon or somebody. There's some big corporate. I mean, a lot of corporate corporations. I think probably because you're right, because of the tax uh, incentives there in uh, New Mexico, a um, lot, lot of uh, industries moving to Albuquerque. So there's a lot of people there, which means there's a lot of industry, which means there's a lot of money there, and probably a, a strong car culture too, right? You know what? That's the the unique thing about being here. Now, I've only been here a month, but during my time here and even being in quarantine, our buildings are directly in downtown. And I can't tell you how many cool cars I've seen still cruising through this and people getting out and driving their cars. And um, there's a huge, I mean, there's a big debate nationally about whether low riding, was, this was the birthplace for low riding or California was. And they've argued this 
until they're blue in the face. But Albuquerque claims that they are the birthplace of the lowriders. So there is a huge group of lowrider and classic, you know, and custom cars here. And then there's the other, uh, you know, end of the spectrum with the tuners. And, um, you know, I mean, everybody right now, it seems like in this quarantine situation, there's so much, you know, I just heard a statistic the other day, 70% up in street racing. Oh. Because of the pandemic. So <laughs> you think about that. I mean, uh, we're, you know, definitely people are in their cars. I mean, they're, they're staying, staying really social distancing, if you think about it, about a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. We were just talking about that earlier, about good old days when we used to street race a lot. Well, let me ask you this. Is your company still called Flat 12? Yes, Flat 12 Gallery was always, uh, you know, it was always the dealership name, and it will, it will always remain that way. We are going to, we have another company name that we're going to be branching into that will handle all the rentals. But uh, flat twelve, it'll just always be that that name. I don't think I could ever give it up. So it'll always be with us as far as the dealership portion of it goes. We don't do too many. We don't sell too many cars anymore. Um, but you know, when we need to, it, you know, it's good to have a dealer's license to do that. Plus, it's nice to just be able to throw a dealer plate on a car and go down the road. And, and not have to worry about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. Well, let me ask you this. When you say flat 12, I'm going to sit there and say there's got to be a correlation between a flat 12 and a Ferrari flat 12 boxer engine. Is there anything? You, you, you are right. <laughs> you, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head right there. It's exactly what it was. It was the, it was the motor that inspired me as a kid. It was the thing that got me going. Um, you know, I grew up in, in, in the 80s when... You know, the Testarossa and the 512 Berlin out of Boxer were, you know, some of the most elusive cars out there. And uh, for me, I just, reading the books on Enzo and his passion for all things automotive and, you know, sports and everything else, uh, I was just driven, you know, I was just seduced by those cars. And um, when we first moved to Lubbock, decided to open up Flat 12, our own dealership for the first time ever. We came up with a name because I wanted something that was different and I didn't want, you know, there's so many people label either or whatever, like V8 and this and that. And I wanted something that was completely different and you either got it or you didn't. You know, a lot of people would call me up and they thought I was, you know, like selling, you know, little flats. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's flat twelve for a reason, and it's you know based off that car and, and my love of that car. So, well, now you being a car collector, well, wait, I want to digress real quick back to the movie car. Do you know a guy by the name of Scott Bose? No, I don't. He used to, he's he lives here in Clearwater, but he also has a place in California. He was involved with the movie car. Well, I can't think of the name of his company, but he was doing that um, for a long time. And then he sold out. And then there was another guy by the name of Ted or something like that, that that did a lot of cars. And I can't remember the name of his company, too. But he was on our show a while back, a number of years ago. Ted Mosier. Ted Mosier, exactly. Okay. Yeah, Ted's, the, Ted's the guy that, that got me started in it. Ted's the guy that uh, I actually had cars with him. I've, you know, I've, I've supplied Ted probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, I don't know, probably over 100 cars over the years. Um, Ted and I became friends right around 2003 after he got done doing too fast too furious and uh, after that he would call me and contact me and say hey look i'm doing i need 21 cars for mission impossible 3 and i was the one that was locating and purchasing those cars so i was kind of the man behind the scenes for many years in fact i talked to some people who had done mission impossible 3 and they're like no way we didn't know those cars came from you we thought they came from ted and i go well they did but you know ted got them for me so it was just 
you know, one person removed. And then as word spread, it just, you know, it ends up coming back to you. And then you get the call from J.J. Abrams, uh, picture card guy, and they say, hey, we're going to do a reboot of Star Trek, and we need some, you know, he wants like a 65, 66, or 67 Corvette. What do you have? And I happen to have a 65 and 66 that were almost twins. And I said, these will work. And there you go. And the rest is screen history. So, so if, if they borrow a car or get a car from me, how does it basically work? Take us through the process. So they'll come. Well, it depends on it depends on which which uh, what you're doing. Sometimes it's it's a, it's a straight out purchase, which oh. is very simple. They'll call you and they'll say, "Hey, look, here's what we're looking for, but we're going to we're going to rig these cars for stunts, or we're going to repaint them and do interior work, and we're going to do this and that." And and, and especially in the case you take Star Trek, it, there's three cars that were used. In total, I supplied two of them, and I literally had to put in writing with Paramount that I would buy them back for a certain uh, percentage on the dollar of what they bought them from me, based on the condition they were coming back in. Okay. So that's that's one approach, and and that's that's very simple. It's just you know a pretty cut and dry thing, and then the rest of it is basically they just they'll call you and they'll say, hey, we're doing a show. And let's just say it's like interrogation, and, and we need, you know, two nineteen. You know, the the, the kid at the show drove a nineteen sixty five Mustang. It was black on black, and we need we need two of those built that are identical, so that we can film. You know, with a stunt guy driving one and the, the actor in the other one, and we can you know set one up for pod shots and then exteriors. So it's just cheaper for a production to oftentimes build doubles than to have just one car. So in that case, we built those cars and we rented them to them, and then we got them back at the end. Now, so, when, when you sell these cars, for example, if it's a 65 Mustang, these cars have to be kind of running, driving, everything's got to kind of work on it, right? But then they'll take them. Are they responsible for the mechanicals to maintain them? Let's say, you know, because you use cars, you use car, and an old car is an old car, and, it could, and things could screw up on them. Do, they, do you have any liability and exposure on there? Or once they, the cars go to them, it's, it's their baby? You know, most of the times it depends on the production company. Um, some of them require you to be responsible. Other ones just handle it. You know, it just depends on your, your relationship with okay. that production company and what you've done business with them before. A lot of the productions, what they're tired of getting is they don't want to rent a car from you and then get, you know, they get the car and the brakes are out or the engine's bad. And then you're trying to sock them with a new motor or transmission or, you know, any of that stuff like that. So with for us, all my stuff, you know, everybody knows I don't deal in junk. I don't want to put something out there that's, you know, a junky car. So for us, I always try to buy nice quality cars that they're using. And I know that time is money. And if that car doesn't start when the director says action, that's costing them money. So I want to be that guy that fulfills that need and has as little issues as possible. You know, but they're, you know, like you said, they're all old cars, so things will happen. And, uh, you know, we had an incident where I had a 29,000 mile 85 ambulance. And, you know, I drove that car everywhere. We rebuilt the engine in it, um, you know, big 460 Ford motor in this ambulance. <laughs> but it had 29,000 miles on it, so it looked pristine. And I put new tires on it, we put new brakes on it, we made sure everything was good. Well, I drove it from Dallas and I was driving it to Albuquerque and. The, the trans just started leaking. And uh, I think probably because the ambulance hadn't probably run 80 in 30 years. <laughs> and I, okay. I, and I, I, looking back at it in hindsight, I'm the dummy that was driving at 80, right? And I should have just, you know, gone 60, 65 or something like that. And, 
and just said, hey, we'll get there when we get there. But I thought, man, this thing's running good. We, re- we went through the motor. But, you know, I, I blew the seal on the transmission probably from just, you know, from sitting up for so long or whatever. So when it got to Albuquerque, obviously they had to get a, a, a new transmission seal put in it and stuff. And they did that. And they really, um, you know, were appreciative because I had made the journey to go get it instead of sending them with a truck to Dallas. And that was one of the other reasons why we moved to Albuquerque, too, is because of the distance. Because from Albuquerque to Dallas is a 10-hour one-way trip. And with a truck and trailer, and you've got these union guys, they can't uh, turn around and come back. That'd be 20 hours of driving in one day. So um, it makes it a lot easier for them to come right over here downtown and find the car. We're going to have, we're going to stock between probably... 70 to 80 cars here in Albuquerque and then in Lubbock because you know I've lived there for so many years we'll probably have another 100 in Lubbock which is a four hour jaunt so that's that's easy you know you can make that trip a round trip in one day easy so that's kind of the game plan at this point when you um you, you when you buy uh, most of the cars that you just supply to the movies are they vintage cars or are you doing late model cars as well um it depends on the show like um or to give you an example, like when we did Breaking Bad for El Camino, those cars were, you know, the time frame around El Camino was like 07, 08. So all that stuff was pretty late model. And what we did with that show is I supplied all the FBI, DEA cars. And uh, in fact, I kept one of them. I kept a 14 police edition Tahoe canine unit. And I thought, well, this might run again because it already looks like an Albuquerque, you know, police car. So... I hung on to that. The other ones were just, you know, nondescript black uh, Suburbans that were used for the FBI. And then, um, you know, Vince Gillian, he's great when it comes to, you know, pairing up the characters with their cars. So he definitely, for the DEA agent, always wanted them to drive those uh, Jeep, um, golly, what are they called? The Jeep, uh, Commander? Commander? Is that it? Oh, com- yeah. Commander? Yeah. You know, what were they, 0503, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get some of those, and, and, I, and I, I had asked, why, why did you choose that? And he goes, because, it, you know, the DEA guys that are in the show, it's kind of like they, they, they're tough, and their cars look tough, but they're really not. <laughs> that's pretty much, that kind of sums up that Jeep, you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. the, it's, it's not the off-road Wrangler or the SRT power jeep it's just a you know our grand cherokee is just kind of in the middle of the road so uh we did that and and that was pretty cool so that's kind of like the late model stuff and i do have a lot of late model stuff in inventory um but uh lately it's just been like really it's centered around the 70s and 80s which is kind of cool so you know i've been kind of acquiring those really kind of unique cars that um fit in and it's actually stuff I'd, I would buy normally anyway um, with the exception of I now own way too many 1983 Caprice classics but you know, that's, <laughs> what the, that's what the, that's what the detectives drove and that just kind of fits the period and and now I've been buying LCD uh, which is crazy so I've been buying more four doors than I ever thought in my life but uh, you know, it's been, it, it, it's still to me, it's fun, it's challenging, and it's still exciting. It's all about that chase, whether you're looking at a four door LTD or you're going out to buy a, you know, a Ferrari 308. It's the same challenge and same chase, and I get just as excited about it. I just bought, you know, the other day I bought a 1975 
uh, Toyota Corona. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I would ever, I was like, wow, this is like the coolest thing. And I think some of my friends were like, dude, you, you're acting like you just bought a Porsche GT3. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the car is like 62,000 miles. It's all original. It's never been painted. It's got that weird, funky vinyl top that kind of wrapped around the top of the door jams. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a strange story, but it belonged to the VP of Mobile back in the 70s. He was alumni at the University of Texas. So the car is kind of that orangey copper color, and the roof is like a cream color. And he ordered it from Toyota that way because of being an alumni at the University of Texas, and uh, it had a cool story about it. And uh, I bought the car, and I, I, I drove it back to my shop, and I was like, you would have thought I seriously went out and bought, like, a, a Ferrari Daytona or something <laughs> and brought it back. Cause the, you know, my, my, I was glowing from ear to ear, and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever, and a lot of people think I'm nuts. But when, you know, then other people come around, they can appreciate that stuff. We, we've had a car that we have rented out pretty regularly on several different shows and it's a 78 blue uh two-door corolla and uh the thing just rents out all the time and people are like wow i need that car for this movie or i need that car for this show and and uh we did mind hunters you know and david fencher is very particular about his cars and they have to be spot on and and he seriously he picked this car for one of their main leads in season two and and that was a big uh you know, I was pretty excited about having that car featured there, and then the car just was featured in um, Better Call Saul this season too. So uh, the car just keeps working. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's just a, it's one of those cars, '78 Corolla. Who would have figured? Well, now when you when you say that, the, is it the producer or is it the director? The, the producer predict, picks the cars, correct? You know, it depends on the movie and it depends on the project. Uh, there's a lot of directors out there that are very opinionated and they got they have a vision of what they want those characters to drive. And, uh-huh. you know, you take somebody like Vince Gillian who did Breaking Bad and did Better Call Saul, or is doing Better Call Saul. He, he's the type of guy that he already knows what he wants. And he has a good idea. He may, he may ask for an idea, like, um, for example, he went to the picture car guys and he said, we want to find... The ugliest looking car known to mankind to be Walter White's car on Breaking Bad, and they came up with the Pontiac Aztec. Oh, and then, <laughs> yeah, it, for sure. It, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And what was interesting, yeah, what was interesting about it was it wasn't just Aztec, but then they had to paint it this putrid, like pea green, green color, <laughs> and that was also his directive because he he wanted it to be. You know, about he wanted the characters, the cars to match the characters. And I thought that was so important because, you know, from being a car guy, you watch a show like that and you're like, what made him decide that car? What made him decide this? Yes. And, yes. and to get the kind of behind the scenes thought around that, it was interesting. And, and I knew from the time I saw that aspect, I was like, man, that's an ugly, ugly car. But it fit the character, it made you laugh. Uh, and then, it, you know, it turned around and it wasn't even a factory color, they even made it look worse than the car already looked from the factory. So um, I think that was just a nod to, to his creativity. And there's other ones, you know, like David Fincher, for example. We've done a few shows with his picture car coordinator, and the, he's very particular on the condition of those cars. They need to look the part, and they need to be right. And so for him, he comes in and hand selects them based off of picture selection or even in person. He'll come and actually, if he can... He'll come and look at them in person and see if he likes 
the way they look. Well, you know what's, and, in, what's interesting but, here, if I get you right, is the, the producer, director, or whoever picks a car, even if the car doesn't show up a lot in the scene, like it's not really a, a main character, but it is a character because it's a correlation between, like you said, the actor, his persona, his image, the whole nine yards. So this, so the directors, and people don't realize when, when they watch a movie, you know, why they, just like you said, why they pick that car, why they pick a car, but there is a correlation and that is important and it isn't, and it is tied into the movie and the director and the overall, uh, um, you know, um, influence of their impression of the movie correct yeah totally it's like uh, there's a uh there's a movie coming out with ryan reynolds um it'll probably be delayed because of this virus thing mm -hmm. hopefully not for too long i think it was supposed to come out in july um it's called free guy and um the only reason i'm allowed to talk about it normally we don't we can't talk about them until they're after they're out but in this case they've already showed it in the trailer and one of the director the director there was adamant he wanted a chrome Lamborghini. Period. Had to have a chrome Lamborghini for this one scene. So we supplied a chrome Lamborghini for that scene. And it was like on the order of the director. So, you know, some of them come in and they have this, this thought process of what they want and how they want it. And uh, others will come in and say, they'll be more collaborative, you know, you know, collaborative with their other people that are in there from the picture car coordinating and transportation. I'll be like, Hey, what do you think of this? And then they can bounce ideas off of that. You know, I know Ted Mosier years ago was the one that came up with the idea of using the muscle cars for fast and too fast, too furious. Um, so, and I think that was an interesting element to bring in the Yanko and the Hemi challenger mm -hmm. into that and, and, and put that in, a whole new generation's eyes that made, didn't grow up with those cars, didn't know what they were, watched the Fast and Furious because it was a tuner movie, and here they are seeing some American muscle. So, Pretty you know, cool. Those are, those are the cool behind-the-scenes stories of how, how you think of things. You know, like when you, when you read about Miami Vice and they're doing the show and the original pilot, if you even watch Go Back That Far and you listen to Michael Mann, they had written in the script that, you know, Sonny Crockett was going to drive a, a 1978 Porsche 911 Targa. And that was going to be his car. And uh, they even filmed with that car, and they do it in some flashback scenes, which is pretty, you know, ironic. And then one of the guys that was just part of the crew knew about these Daytonas that McBurney had built that were getting seized you know, by the Fed, and he took them over there and showed them the cars, and that's when everything switched gears, and they went with the Daytona instead. So it's, it's those ironic moments, you know, in history where you, you get the backstory on it, and you're like, well, that's cool, because the show would have been completely different with Crockett driving a 911. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so... we got a few minutes here left, uh, Jeff. Tell us a couple minutes. Sure. Tell us, uh, take us through uh, Skid Marks real quick. What's Skid Marks all about for our listeners? Man, Skid... Skidmark show was a, a way, it was a passion project for me to, to, to break out from doing, uh, you know, CNBC, the car chasers, where we had control of what we were buying and selling and who we were buying and selling to, but we didn't have total control of the content that was being put out there. That went to the executives of CNBC, and we didn't have editorial control. And I really wanted to do a show that talked about the passion and show some of the things that we were involved in and that other people are involved in in the world that maybe didn't make the show, you know, like because maybe you have an executive producer up there in an office and he doesn't realize 
that that 240 that you're buying on the show is an up-and-cumbered gem, and that car's going to break the bank a few years from now. And they kicked it out of an episode, let's say, like in third season when they did. And I bought it. I bought the car, and they were like, what, what? I bought the car for like three grand or something like that. And they're like, man, that's, that's too cheap for this show. We're just going to edit that out. So for me, I wanted to do a show that brought that element into it, brought the car community together, showed that the rocks, rock show part of it because rock stars and cars have always been synonymous together and rock music and everybody i've ever known in the rock industry always talks about that first big check and what car they drove and so we just wanted to tap in that market and have some fun and uh you know kind of spread the automotive culture around a little bit super well jeff we're just about out of time here so if people want to find out more about you how do they get in touch with you what's your uh, social media goodies Oh, man. Well, you know, I'm just Jeff Allen on uh, Instagram. And then they can also go to Flat 12 Gallery on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And then uh, it's also we do another thing called Speed Asylum, which we just launched. And that's a a total car community. So they can follow stuff there. And then obviously, you know, Jeffrey Allen on Facebook. So that's about all where they can find me. Otherwise, they can email us at uh, flat12gallery.com. Or the next time there's a really cool movie, in the credits, they can find out about you because you supplied some of the cars, right? I, yeah, I don't think they're going to give me credit yet. But, uh, yeah, you, you know, we do, we, we do let those little uh, Easter eggs out once the show airs. <laughs> we go out and we promote that the cars we have and show everybody what, what was used in what. And it's kind of fun. Super. Well, Jeff, you take care. Stay safe. Next time in Albuquerque, I'll come see you. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. Good luck. And, uh... Say hi to Megan for me. So, hey, back at you. You guys take care. All right. Thank you very much. I'm going to thank my special guest, Jeff Allen, the Car Chasers, and Skid Marks, and uh, Flat 12 in uh, Albuquerque. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Weekend in Cars every Tuesday night here at the Tad Talk Radio Network. Don't forget, next year, our 10-year anniversary show. Next week. <laughs> next week. Get out and drive your cars. Oh, yeah. By the way, don't forget to go to Rib Shack Barbecue and get yourself some big Rib Shack here. 426 West Bay Drive. meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.